and this is Pastor Daniel McGee with Connection Church in New York City. Thank you for listening to our church's weekly podcast. We hope God uses this sermon to encourage you and to increase your faith in Him. If you'd like to know more about our church, please check out our website at ConnectionNYC.com or like us on Facebook at ConnectionNYC. Grace and peace be with you. reading from the book of Genesis, chapter 50, verses 15 to 21. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong which we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father charged before he died, saying, thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did wrong. And now, please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for... Am I in God's place? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result, to preserve people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of the Lord. So what you just heard read was the, the last part of, uh, of Genesis chapter 50. And Joseph's life is coming to an end. And what we're seeing here is how to live a life well. And we're going to, to look at this section of Scripture to figure that out. I, I learned an interesting statistic that most of you may already know, but the average life expectancy for a person in the United States is, the median is 78.5, I think. Uh, for men, I'm sorry to report that the average is 76 years for us. And for women, congratulations, you made 81. So good job, and sometimes it just pays off to be a woman. Um, but I have a question. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. Probably most of the time. I have a question for you. Now, I don't want to get too heavy too quick. But with life expectancy as, as a topic that I brought up, have you ever wondered what's going to be said at your funeral? Have you ever wondered what people are going to say about you when they gather in a place like this or wherever and they, they remember you and the life you lived? I've considered that before, especially since I turned 40 next week. <laughs> I'm past that halfway point in the life expectancy, so it's time to get things together. But when you, when you ask that question and you consider what's going to be said uh, about you at your funeral, it, it causes you to evaluate the priorities in your life. It causes you to, to ask questions like, okay, what is truly important? How am I spending my time? This is why people, when they get to be 80 years old, they can say whatever they want. 
because they're like, it doesn't matter. I don't have that much time left. I'm just going to tell you what I really think. The Bible also teaches us that it's, it's good to consider the fact that this life that we have isn't going to last forever the way it is. For example, in Psalm, uh, Psalm 90, verse 12, we read this. It'll pop up on the screen. There we go. It says, So teach us to number our days that we may present to you, God, a heart of wisdom. Teach us to realize that this isn't going to last forever. You can also look in James chapter 4, verse 14 and get the same idea. It says, Yet you do not know what your day will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Life is quick. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, we learn that, that this body, even though it passes quickly, it has a, um, a, a great value to it. And it says this in verse 19 of that 6th chapter. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body. So while this body is not designed to last forever the way it is right now, it's not going to last forever, it's greatly important for us to use our body for the glory of God, especially if we consider ourselves a Christian. A Christian means you belong to God through Christ. You belong to Jesus. You're a a uh, person who belongs to Christ, and so you no longer belong to yourself, so you were owned by him. And so you're accountable to him for how you live your life. So what does it mean to, to have a life well lived? And so maybe some questions to help you understand where you are in your life is to say, okay, what takes the greatest place in my heart? What is it that I yearn for the most? What do I think about when I wake up in the morning? Another question is, what could I not live life without? Or who could I not live life without? You know, the answer to these questions will determine, will determine how you live your life, and the answers will also determine how you choose to define how living um, a, life, a life well lived is defined. And today we're going to see how God defines a life well lived. But first, I have to give you a quick history lesson on Joseph to catch you up. Are you ready? Joseph is a great figure. He was in the Bible, in the the book of Genesis. He was uh, one of many sons by the father of Jacob. And Joseph was favored by his father, and his brothers hated him for it. Joseph started having dreams, and his brothers hated him all the more because these dreams said that one day the brothers were going to bow down to their little brother, Joseph. And they hated him so much that they plotted to kill him, but they ended up settling for selling him to uh, people as a slave. He rose in the ranks. He was falsely accused and imprisoned. After 13 years total of slavery, prison, pain, and ups and downs, he gets out and is second in command over Egypt because that dream ability came back to to bless him again as he interpreted a dream for Pharaoh and saved Egypt. One day, he he saved him through the dreams uh, where Egypt was able to go through the famine and had all this food when everyone else had, had nothing and his brothers actually showed up wanting to buy grain from him, not knowing it was him. He eventually revealed himself to them. They wept. They had a, um, some bro hugs. It was wonderful. 
and they had a reunion. His, they sent, he sent his brothers back to his home country, said, bring dad, leave all your stuff, it's junk, we got good stuff here in Egypt, we're going to take care of you. Gave them the best of the best, and then time passed as they were living in uh, prosperity in Egypt. Time passed, and the Egyptians started to run out of food, and Joseph was working last week, we remember, he was working hard for the money, so hard for the money, and he did a wonderful job of, of making his boss rich and also taking care of the people who needed his help. And so he worked uh, wonderfully. And we learned last week about how we are, are able to honor God through doing our jobs well. This week, we're going to see, spoiler alert, Joseph dies. Okay? You probably knew that was going to happen at some point. And so tonight we're going to see how he ended his life and how we can look to Joseph and we can see how he had a life well lived. And so this is how you define a life well lived according to God's word. And you can follow along on this, this outline if you have one. If you don't, you can just take notes however you feel. But we'll start with number one. A life well lived is this. It's living with confidence in the providence of God. A life well lived is living with confidence in the providence of God. It's saying, I am confident that God is working. He's providential in the highs and the lows. It's, it's quite amazing when we think that God governs the universe. He's orchestrating the universe, but he also is governing our lives concurrently. So earth spins one time a day, and it orbits the sun one time a year. And there's a lot going on with this earth right now in this moment. We are spinning so fast, and we are orbiting so fast. And if that changed just a little bit, if it, we started spinning faster, we'd fly off the earth. If we started spinning slower, we would be so heavy, we'd just fall to the ground. The gravity would be too heavy for us. And science does a wonderful job of explaining and helping us understand the creativity of God as we see the complexity of our universe. Look with me, and and again, at at Joseph in chapter 50, verses 15 through 20. We're going to walk through this. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead... So Israel, uh, Jacob is also named Israel. So when you see that in Genesis, it's, um, uh, it's, it's the same thing. He's the same, uh, same person. And so when Jacob or Israel had died, they said, what if Joseph bears a grudge against us? Now, that's been a lot of years. But you see, the brothers are still struggling with, did Joseph really forgive us or is he just doing this because Papa's still living? And so what if he bears a grudge against us and pays us back in full for all the wrong we did to him? So they sent a message to Joseph saying, Your father charged before, uh, before he died, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, Please forgive, I beg you, the transgression of your brothers and their sin, for they did you wrong. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. So basically they said, Hey man, before dad died, he said you needed to forgive us. Okay? Dad said, <laughs> You don't want to do anything to us now because, you know, Papa said. So Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Why was he weeping? And in verse, thir- uh, verse 18, it says, Then his brothers also came and fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in God's place? Who am I? Am I God? He says, As for you, brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result 
to preserve many people alive. He said, what you did to me, you, sold, you thought you sold me into slavery, but God sent me on a mission. I thought I got a bad deal, but now I'm looking back and I can see God was at work. And Joseph had confidence in the providence of God. It was a lot easier for him to see that in this moment looking back, just like when you get older and you see the faithfulness of God in your own life. It's easier to look back and say, you know, God, you were faithful then and then and then, so I'm going to trust you now. But it's hard to take those steps of faith when you don't see it in your, in your own life. And so as we grow in our faith, we have to remind ourselves, not just from our own stories, but from the Word of God, that, that God is at work. And then what people may mean for evil, God will use for good, for purposes that we don't know yet. And for Joseph, it was to keep all those people alive. God is working even when we don't see it. Now, God does not do evil things, but we do live in a world where evil things happen. Natural disasters are here, but we also see humans doing evil things together. I mean, doing things also. Joseph faced both of those. So there were, there was, on the natural side, there was the famine that he, that he lived through, and I'm sure there were other storms of life that he, that he saw as well. But he also saw the, the evil of humanity by his brothers selling him into slavery. But in this moment, Joseph had the power to get them back and say, you know what? You were, you were really wrong in that, and I've been pretending to forgive you for a while, so I'm just going to, going to go ahead and have you killed. He could have done that. He would have been within his rights to do it because what they did was horrible. But instead, with all the power that he had, with all of that power to just say the word and have them gone forever, to take justice in his, own hand, in his own hands, he decided to take all of that power and to restore his brothers. And the same thing happens with Jesus. See, we live in a famine of righteousness, and the only way that we can access that righteousness is to go to our Egypt, is to go to our Joseph, to go to Jesus. And he has the only one, he's the only one that has the power to give us righteousness, and he also has the power to give us judgment, but he has chosen in his goodness to restore us. And so a question I have for you is, when it comes to your faith and in your, your life in this moment right now, are you struggling anywhere with unforgiveness towards someone? I'm sure Joseph struggled against that. It wasn't an easy process for him. We, we go from one verse to the next verse in the Bible, and sometimes that a lot of time has passed. And we don't have every little detail of, man, on Tuesday, Joseph was really upset with his brothers and he was swearing at them and, uh, or about them and he was ready to kill them, but on Wednesday, you know, had a breakthrough. You know, we don't get that. But we live that, don't we? A moment by moment where we're up and down. We don't know exactly everything about him. But we can rightly infer that he struggled with forgiving them for what they had done. Do you struggle with bitterness in your life? that you didn't get your fair shake, that right now someone else has the job that you should have, that right now someone else got the break that you deserve more because you've worked harder than them and they just seem to be favored. Do you struggle with bitterness towards other people? Or maybe, maybe you struggle with bitterness towards God because some bad things have happened in your life or in the lives of those that you love and you don't understand why. 
If that's where you are, then what you need to do is elevate your confidence in the providence of God. And you just need to say out loud, God, I trust that you are at work. What has been done and meant for evil, I'm trusting that you are going to use it for good. I'm going to have confidence in your providence because pain and suffering has an expiration date. Pain and suffering is going to expire one day. One day, death is going to fully die. Isn't that great news? Living with confidence in the providence of God is step one on how to live a well-lived life. Step number two is this. A life well-lived is living to be a blessing. Living to be a a blessing. It's very difficult this time of year as we enter the holiday seasons for some people to think about anything other than what we want to get for Christmas or what we want to do on Thanksgiving or how we want to use our time off from work. And so this is a principle that reminds us that a life well lived is living to be, not receive, but to be a blessing. And we also know from Scripture that when we live to be a blessing, that that's going to give us the most blessings from God. It's going to unlock blessings from Him. But God promised Abraham a long time before Joseph that Abraham was going to be a blessing for all people. And Joseph understood that his purpose in life, Joseph's purpose in life, was beyond himself. Just like Abraham's purpose in life was beyond himself. There was future blessings that were coming for them and, uh, and coming for them and through them. And so look with me again in, in Joseph, Joseph, Genesis chapter 50, verse 21. This is what Joseph said to them. He said, So therefore, to his brothers, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. So he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. So Joseph was living to be a blessing to his brothers. He could have done anything he wanted. He could have, he could have sent them away. He could have said no to them. He could have killed them. He had the power to do it, but he decided that he was going to live to be a blessing. He made a choice not to wallow in self-pity. Oh, look at me, I lost 13 years. I did this, I did that. He didn't do that. He lived to be a blessing. He looked forward to what his calling was at that point and what it was going to be. I'm going to provide for you, my brothers, and not just you, but your children. I'm going to provide for them. I'm going to be a blessing. I'm going to give you grace upon grace. I'm going to continue to bless, uh, bless you. And the good news is this undeserved grace went to undeserving people. And the same principle applies to us. Undeserved grace is, is what grace is. We don't deserve it. And it goes to undeserving people. And the good news is Christ has earned it for us. And so living to be a blessing to others because of what we've, we've received from God. And so it causes us as we think about a life well lived, okay, I don't want to waste time trying to, to, to do it all for me. But I want to, to be a blessing to others. I want to not waste my life. I don't want to spend all my time trying to figure out why every time I type the letter I in my phone, it comes up a question mark, right? Why? That doesn't even make sense. Uh, binge watching Netflix. Sometimes I fall asleep watching that. I'm like, why? Because Friends is funny. Um, but, but it does cause us to question, okay, how much time do I want to spend with entertainment and relaxing? And how much time do I really want to focus on making sure I'm a blessing to other people. When I'm with people, how am I blessing them? Parents, I want to remind you of something. This is hard. You ready? Your children 
are a blessing. I know, right? It doesn't always feel that way, does it? No, it does not, because they roll their eyes at you. They don't do what they're supposed to do. But God says they are a blessing. And so we have limited time with them as their parents um, to, to invest in them. And so how are we choosing to redeem that time to be a blessing to our little blessings? There are resources and talents that all of us have, and we are to use them to bless others. Every one of you can learn how to pray for people. If you're intimidated to do that, we can uh, walk through some steps on how to do it, and you can just go to people right now and say, well, not right now, wait till the sermon's over, but you can say, hey, how can I pray for you? And you can learn to pray for them right then and there. You can also share Christ with people that you know. Some of you pray for people and sharing Christ with them. You pray for people, and they've never had anyone else pray for them. Did you hear that? Those words were told to me this week. One of your coworkers said that to someone else. Who told me, who told someone, who told someone else. And I found out. They said, thank you for praying for me. You know what? No one's ever prayed for me before. That's why we're here. We are called to be here to be a blessing to people because who else is going to do it? A life well lived is living to be a blessing. The third way is this. A life well lived is living in light of eternity. Living in light of eternity. In your your Bibles, in Genesis chapter 50, verses 21 and 22, there's a a gap. There's not a gap, and it goes from 21 to 22. There's a gap of 60 years between verse 21 and 22. And so time passes quickly. So what's going to happen when this time is over? Well, there's eternity, and so we need to live in light, understanding that eternity is important. And so in Genesis chapter 50, verses 22 through 26, we'll walk through that. Now, Joseph stayed in Egypt. Sixty years later, he's still there. And so he and his father's household, and, uh, and Joseph lived 110 years. Joseph saw the third generation of Ephraim's sons, also the son of Makir and the son of Manasseh were born to Joseph's, on Joseph's knees. Uh, basically, if you look at Old Testament names, just say them confidently and move quickly, okay? Just if you're ever worried, I don't know how to say some of these, all right? So we're just going to move forward. But Joseph saw generations happen, and generations after generation after generation. So we see that Joseph remained faithful. This is uh, very important to understand. And so moving to verse 24, Joseph said to his brothers, I am about to die, but God will surely take care of you and bring you up from this land to the land which he promised on oath to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. So he tells them in verse 24, he's like, guys, I'm about to die. And you need to understand, since the age of 17, he's been living in Egypt, right? He's, he's Jewish, but he's been living in Egypt. He's basically an Egyptian, He looked like an Egyptian. He talked like an Egyptian. He even walked like an Egyptian. And so for him to understand that this isn't the promised land for you, he's remembering the promise of God that there is something that's coming after this. This is not the land, but there is a land that God will deliver you to that he promised on oath to Abraham. And he remembered that this new land... This, this land of Egypt was not the promised land, this land that he had gone into. 
But there was one God had for him. In verse 25, we see him finish up. It says, Then Joseph made the sons of Israel swear, saying, God will surely take care of you, and you shall carry my bones up from there. So Joseph died at the age of 110 years, and he was embalmed, embalmed and placed in a coffin in Egypt. And that's the end of Genesis. It's a little anticlimactic, right? Joseph died, and he was put in a box. But if you look at the next chapter in Exodus, or the next book in Exodus, what you're going to see is the, the nation of Israel, which are the descendants of Jacob. The nation of Israel is going to rise and become very great, and great things are going to happen for Israel. And you're also going to see that some bad things start to happen for them as well, and then God's going to rescue them from harsh slavery uh, because he loves his people. But before that happens, we're going to see uh, in Joseph's life, we, Joseph's life, we see that Joseph remembered that he was a foreigner in a strange land. That's important to remember. He's a foreigner in a strange land. He also remembered that he worshipped a God, the true God, in a pagan land for a pagan boss in a pagan workplace. But he stayed true to his God. And then Joseph also remembered that his people belonged to God in another land that God had promised them. Joseph wasn't the only one who lived in the Old Testament by faith and died never seeing the promises of God fulfilled. Joseph didn't see all that, those things happen. He believed they were going to happen, but they didn't happen for him. In Hebrews, which is in the New Testament, we have a roll call of faith in, in chapter 11. And in verses 13 through 16, we, after the roll call of all the men that had died and all the people that had died in faith, we read this. It says, All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles. They were foreigners on the earth. So not just in another country, but even on earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So we see that they were strangers and foreigners. They were exiles in a foreign land and, and didn't receive the promises. And we are to live the same way they did. We are to live by this type of faith, too, that understanding that where we are right now isn't our, our ultimate home. We're not going to be here forever. That God is preparing a heavenly, permanent, glorious city for us. And the world that we're in right now, our Egypt, if you will, our foreign land, is our mission field. And that we're to live this life for the glory of God, realizing that there's a better country that's coming. So we're to live expecting home to come to us. And this is our time to live well. Many people go home for the holidays, and, and we understand what that means. We go to where we grew up, we go see family, that's fine, it's home. But as a Christian, we realize that there's an ultimate home that is to come. No matter how great your childhood was growing up and how much you love going home to see family, the home that's to come is infinitely superior. We don't live to make this our home, but we live with the confidence that right now God is working in this world on our behalf. 
And that confidence that in his providence fuels us to live every moment of our lives to be a blessing to others. And we also are reminded to live with eternity in our hearts and minds, realizing that God created me for more than 80 years of the good life. He created us to live forever. Angela Modeste is our our worship leader, and she is not here tonight, and... um, but she has her own song. And, and one of my favorite lyrics is in that song. And it says, uh, basically, the, it says, too often we try to make our life remembered. You know, that's how I started the, the sermon with how are people going to remember you at your funeral. And too often we put focus on living our life so that we will be remembered. But God is wanting to do something better. He's wanting to make our life forever. Not just to be remembered for a while and forgotten, but to live forever. And there's only one way that we can have that forever life. And that forever life comes through the name, the person, Jesus Christ. One final thing here. This is something brand new to me that I learned this week. But Joseph was given a new name by Pharaoh in chapter 41. You can read it here with me. Genesis chapter 41 verse 45. It says, Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Zephanath Peniah. See that? You have just confidence. You just go with it, right? And gave him Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph, very confident in how to pronounce Joseph, went throughout the land of Egypt. And so keep that verse up there. You see three things that happened here for Joseph. He got a brand new name. He got a non-Jewish bride. She was Egyptian. And he was the ruler over all of Egypt. Check this out. Jesus has a new name. Before I tell you about that, I forgot to tell you this. Joseph's new name. Do you know what it, do you know, anybody know what it means? You should raise your hand. I want to ask you this. Anybody know? Okay, good. I didn't know either. Joseph's new name is... It means this. It means savior of the world. (laughs) Pharaoh gave him a new name. This non-believing man gave him a new name. He says, your name is Zephaneth Paneah. And it means savior of the world. Well, Jesus has a name. And Jesus, his name is also savior of the world. In Acts chapter 4, verses 8 and following, we read this. Then Peter, is it in there? There we go. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are called to account today for the act of kindness shown to a man who was lame, who couldn't walk, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. If you're going to blame us and, and call us to account for how we healed a man who, was, who couldn't walk, then I want you to hear this. Know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. You meant it for evil, but God used it for good. That this man stands before you healed. It's that name. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has been, become the cornerstone. And in verse 12 we see this. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Jesus, Savior of the world. The second thing that we saw there is that Joseph was given a Gentile bride, 
a non-Jewish bride. Well, Jesus is also given a Gentile bride who also includes Jewish people as well. But the Gentile bride, we are the bride of Christ when we have uh, faith in him. We become his bride. And we also see that Joseph went forth over all the land of Egypt. Well, guess what? Our Jesus is ruler over much more than Egypt. He's ruler over much more than Africa or the Middle East or Asia or South America. He's ruler over the entire world. He is the greater Joseph. A life well lived for us means that Jesus is the center of our life. A life well lived remembers that every day God has remembered you. And God has sent his only son for you, his favored son, just like Joseph was the favored son. And he sent him to go and suffer the consequences of your sin so that he could save us from certain death. Today, as we prepare for Thanksgiving, a life well lived also takes the opportunity to thank Jesus for his well lived life and the life that he has given to you and to me. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you so much for giving us the opportunity tonight to to hear uh, a message from your scriptures of how Joseph lived life well. And I thank you, Lord, that Joseph, as faithful as he was, points us to Christ. We see so many things in here that that transition over from, from Joseph to Jesus. And tonight we praise you that we are here and we are receiving grace and mercy from you, not because we have earned it, but because you have lived a life uh, so well that, Lord, you can change these broken hearts and these, these, uh, these uh, desires within us that go against what is, it all, what is good and, and from you. You can change us so that we too can follow in your steps, trusting in your grace, living a life well lived. In Jesus' name, amen.